Hello and welcome back to episode three of the Casual Footy Fan podcast with me, the Casual Stoke City Fan. And as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, the Casual City Fan. This week, we're doing things a little bit differently. We'll be giving our thoughts and our opinions on the FA Cup title we both watched at the weekend, which was Leicester versus Man United. And the Premier League throws up one of the games of the season. So, welcome back. Episode three. We're still here. Glad that you are too. So we're going to start this analysis of the Leicester Man United FA Cup tie, if you will, with a look at Man United. Where did it go wrong for them? Where did they lose this game? City fan, where did Man United lose this game? Well, I think they've gone wrong in many places here. I think the tactical aspect wasn't good enough. I think the players weren't good enough. And I just think they weren't ready for the game. They had no intensity. They were lazy. They were, they were awful. Yeah, it was. And the weird thing about it is that they actually had quite a good opening. The first five minutes or so, they had a good start. They, they were on the front foot at the beginning. They had possession. They were moving the ball. And it just capitulated. Um, do you think that the first goal, and the first goal was a really terrible goal to concede. If, if anybody hasn't seen it, it was a free kick for Man United from inside the box. Maguire passed it sort of just to the 18-yard box, really, to Fred, with Leicester players all around. Fred took an awful heavy touch. It bounced back into the box. And Ian Acho um, sort of pounced in, went past um, Henderson, the goalkeeper, and slotted it in. It was a bad decision um, from Maguire. It was an awful touch from Fred. Do you think that's where sort of the game changed? Or do you think there'd been signs before that? Or is there something else? Well, I thought United actually looked quite good, like you said at the start. And I thought Leicester, Leicester aren't having much of the ball and United were kind of dominating. And I think that mistake was quite a key change because it didn't seem like United were on the brink of conceding. Then suddenly, just like that, like I missed the goal. I wasn't concentrating. It was that unexpected. Yeah, I think, I, I think we both did the same. It was just, sort of... Just passed it out. And yeah. it was a calamity. Oh, it's awful defending. Yeah. But I think the second half went wrong as well because obviously United got a goal back and then, then you start to think, okay, they've scored once. They're quite good at coming from behind. Can yeah. they go on and win this? And I think one problem that United had was from the manager was the changes. I don't feel like they had changes earlier because obviously from that, especially after they went 2-1 down, I feel like Ole had to make changes immediately. Yeah. Pogba, Pogba was poor. He wasn't pressing. He couldn't be bothered getting the ball back when he lost it. He lost it so many times. He was walking around. It was like he couldn't care about the result. I Martial, yeah, lazy, I think, not pressing. Yeah. I think the concerning thing with Pogba was that it was. It wasn't that he sort of lacked the ability, or it was just the fact that he. It looked certainly to us, the viewers. Like, there was no desire that he didn't... It wasn't that he didn't have the ability, it's that he didn't put the effort in. And I think that's the most concerning thing, is that there was just... When he lost the ball, there was no desire to get it back. There was no pressure on the Leicester players. There was no sort of roughness to, you know, shove someone off the ball and make something happen. 
he was on there, but it looked like he didn't want to be on there. He didn't want to press and do anything. And I think that was really concerning uh, for Pogba and is what I thought was that it was not the lack of quality. And we know that he doesn't lack quality. It was the lack of desire, which is something you have seen in the past with Pogba. Well, this is weird because Pogba was actually building up form because I watched him against AC Milan. He came on three minutes and he'd scored and he was brilliant in that game. And then for some reason in this game, he just couldn't be bothered. He he was lazy. He just didn't want the ball. He lost the ball countless times and he didn't make any attempt to win anything back. And I feel like Martial is also another big issue and quite concerning for United is that he just disappears. You could have you, you could be you forgiven don't. if you hadn't seen the um if you hadn't seen the lineups, you honestly could have been forgiven for much of that game for not knowing that Marshall was on the pitch. He had I think he did have one chance where he headed it towards the goal um in sort of the last twenty minutes or something. But apart from that, like you say, I, I think it's fair to say that he disappeared. I feel like now, he surely has to lose his starting place. And you have to think Cavani is so experienced. He has to start in front of him. Because Martial, he's awful. He he hasn't been the player that United paid for. Yes, he has a couple of good runs and he'll play a couple of good games. But he's, he's awful consistently. He's just... He never turns up, it feels like. I can't remember the last time he scored a goal, to be honest. Do you think that you're saying there the level that... Uh, the criticism level is that... He isn't consistent enough. Do you think that that um, is sort of consistent with the whole United team? Do you think it's a problem that the whole United team have, that they're not consistent enough? I, I completely agree there as well. Fred, Fred is another. Fred was awful on Sunday. He was, he was fault for two of the goals. The second goal, he didn't make any attempt to close down until it was too late and the ball was in the back of the net. But he, he's also very inconsistent he'll have games where he'll dominate a midfield he'll be any any player to the team he'll always go in for a challenge and and then you have games like that where he was awful clumsy giving the ball away I think he gave a ball like three times in two minutes or something he was just awful yeah it's fair to say that it was really a really bad game from Fred but what I would say is that um, you're true. It's totally true that he gave away the ball loads and loads and loads of times in midfield, and it was costly. The first goal, it was a bad decision from Maguire, but he he caused the goal. The second goal, as you say, it was too easy for Leicester, and they and and Fred had to make the tackle there. On top of that, there were four players around him. But on on the sort of Fred, as I say, he had a terrible game, and he gave the ball away a lot, which was really costly. But I think that it was mainly mistakes from him. It wasn't it wasn't really a lack of effort or desire. It was just mistakes, which I think is less concerning maybe than the Pogba situation where he just didn't sort of want to be there. I think that Fred was trying, but he was just making mistakes and giving the ball away cheaply and he didn't manage to tackle people back. But I don't know what you thought about that, whether it was a lack of desire from Fred as well, or whether he was just making mistakes? No, no, I, I agree with you there. He's he just he's, he's such a clumsy player. I feel like he makes poor decisions in the game. Yeah, I think that that may well be true. And I think that the... And the third goal, could you say, was another example. It was a, um, it was a free kick um, from the left-hand side of the pitch. The I'm not sure who took the free kick, 
it's probably all Brighton, I imagine, crossed it right over the box to the back post, and Kalechi Iheanacho was totally unmarked. It went over Scott McTominay's head. Iheanacho, free header at the back post, and I think that Dean Henderson could have done a little bit better. Um, I feel like there was all no the marking. goals, all the goals there, all could three of them prevented. Could have been I, do I totally day. agree. I totally the, agree. The first one, obviously, Maguire and Fred, disaster. The second one, someone it was just has too to stop it. It was like someone has to get to it with yeah. a knife. And then you yeah, had the last goal. Dean Henderson was sitting duck. He wasn't in the right position. He was off his line. He was in the middle. He was, had no chance. He he wasn't good enough. And then Scott McTominay went ball went right over his head, free head at the back stick, and it was going to result in anything but a goal. And, and I know that. Yeah, I know we're going to touch on Leicester later, but I think. Just while we're on this goal, what they did quite well there was, um, and I presume this has obviously come from Brennan Rodgers and from the training ground, but they had a lot of players sort of in front of the goalie towards the side the free kick's coming from. A lot of players on on the goal line almost, which drew a lot of United players in, and I don't think that they realised that Iheanacho was at the back post. And you saw before the free kick, Iheanacho was sort of looking around like, goodness me, nobody's marking me here. And he looked quite surprised that he'd scored because he really wasn't mm. expecting United to just all go into the box and leave him totally by himself. I, I agree there. I think another talking point from the game is I think the manager had some very poor mistakes. He he brought subs on like the 75th minute, wasn't it? Was, it? The, the frustrating thing was I think he made the broadly the right decisions in bringing in who he brought on. I'm not sure he made the right decision in who he brought off. Um, see, I disagree with you there. I think, I think he made a mistake on bringing players on. He yeah. he kept well. He also kept Fred on, but he also yeah. brought on Scott McTominay. And Scott McTominay has some good attacking games, but he's also more of a centre defensive midfielder. And to keep two CDMs on a game when you're losing three one, I think it's criminal. Take off. Obviously, Pogba had no desire, but he's still a creative player. And Donny van der Beek is still a centre attacker midfielder. He still scored plenty of goals. And I feel the changes were wrong. They were too late. I feel like it wasn't great for the manager. And also, he was caught smiling at the end of the game. And that's not the mentality you want from a manager after getting knocked out. And probably your last chance at a trophy. Yes, they have the Europa League. But one of their last chances of getting a trophy and he's there smiling. And I touched about this and the Manchester Derby, how I thought that Solskjaer, because obviously he played in Manchester Derby, that he would have more desire to win that game. But then again, this game, he didn't really seem to care. He was smiling. He had no passion, it seemed like. Yeah, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a fair thing. And I'm sure that You'll have seen, I have seen, I'm sure the listeners have seen as well, is sort of some jokes made about the different managers after they lose the game and them looking unhappy and all they sort of laughing in interviews. And I think you make a you make a bad point about the players he brought on and he didn't bring much attacking flair on. Um and it was also the timing that you don't make subs all four at a time in the 70th, 60, 70th, 75th minute you do it a bit more, you know, you could have brought someone on at half-time. Yeah. And, and I know you said that Van der Beek, he is an attacking player and he's a talented attacking player, but um, I'm not sure that he really fits the tactics of United. And 
which is hard for me to say because honestly, the tactics of United weren't very clear in that game. But there were two occasions I noted where United could go on a counter-attack. They were rushing players forwards from set pieces. And United have scored a lot of goals and are well-known for scoring goals that way. But there were two times when Van der Beek didn't really contribute to that counter-attack where he got the ball. There are players driving forwards that he could have passed to to continue that counter-attack. But he turned around and just sort of passed it sideways or backwards. And those instances of him not contributing to the counter-attack that United are famous for, have they contributed to the reason he's not starting in this team? I think I do agree there. I don't feel like he fits his style of football. But I also feel like they're playing him in a slightly out of position. At Ajax, he was playing him more of a forward role, nearly as a striker, to be honest. Because if you think about, he scored, he scored so many goals for Ajax. I watched him in the Champions League and he was playing more like a false nine, maybe even higher up the pitch. And at the moment, he's playing more as a centre midfielder. And I don't feel like that's his natural position. So I don't think that's helped either. And yeah. I also feel like, obviously, he has had a couple of games now which he hasn't performed in. But I still don't think like he's giving, they're giving him enough chances, enough chances to start games and actually prove himself as a player. Yeah, that's fair. And you do see that when he is bought off, he's the player that does look upset about it. Mm-hmm. He seems like he wants to play, but he doesn't get the chance. He doesn't get the chances. And it's true that whenever I've seen him play, you make a good point. He maybe hasn't proved himself in the best way. But I think I think we've sort of encompassed United's game there, that there was a lack of desire, mistakes, and some bad managerial decisions. Is there anything else that you picked up on from United's performance? No, I think it was just mainly those three points that they just, it didn't seem like they wanted to win from the, from the first whistle. They hadn't desired, weren't pressing, weren't, weren't playing like a team, weren't playing like a team who wanted to win a trophy. And I think that really represents why, OK, they're second in the league, but that's why they haven't managed to press for winning this league, to conclude the debate. I think you'd agree on that? Yeah. So we've covered now why United lost the game and it's time now to think about why Leicester won the game because make no mistake, Leicester played really well. They didn't just win because um, United were bad, sorry. They won on merit. They were the better team and they played some really intelligent football. Where do you think the game was won for them? I feel like the midfield, the midfield battle was won by Leicester and I feel like that carried them to victory their three midfielders were did they have three midfielders no they had two they Matt uh, uh, Tielemans was brilliant indeed he was brilliant and they just kept on winning the loose balls the second ball they were all the way there always pressing United United would lose the ball Leicester pick it up and it's there they're on the counter-attack they're fast they're quick thinking and I feel like that is a brilliant aspect of Leicester's game yeah, you're quite right. And Didi especially was brilliant in midfield. It's almost like he wasn't being mentioned much in the commentary because he was just doing a really good job. There was pressure to get the ball back when they lost it and they stopped things from going through the middle of the park, especially coupled with the fact that the United midfielders weren't really in the game. And he had a brilliant desire to get that ball back. And I think a great 
example of that was there's um, a time, it was sort of, I don't know, the second half, where he took a bad touch similar to the touch that Fred had. It, it was in the middle of the pitch. It wasn't in the penalty box. So it's, you know, not, not exactly yeah. the same. But it was the same kind of thing where he takes a heavy touch, but he sort of ran to get it and he won that ball back. And I think that represents the difference between United and Leicester in this game is that Leicester had the desire and the pressure to get the ball back in the midfield, which is where they won it. Hmm. I agree there. I think the other thing I can say about Leicester is I can identify things from their, from their midfield, as we just touched on, but I can also identify clear things from their defence and their attack. And I don't think that was the case from United. I couldn't see anything clear in their defence or their attack. I think the defence was a key element to this win. It's fair to say that they did a lot of defending. Um, it wasn't mm. always last ditch, but there were lots of um, sort of half chances they were snuffing out. And they played a back three of Soyuncu, Johnny Evans and Fafana. Soyuncu and Fafana being on the left and right-hand side, respectively, and Johnny Evans in the middle. And they had an absolutely brilliant game, all three of them. They worked really well as a unit. They had a really solid line. They were straight across all game. But what was really intelligent was that Fafana and Soyuncu were the sort of left centre-back and right centre-back. But they played very wide and sometimes a little bit higher up the pitch to Johnny Evans. And what that allowed them to do was to protect Johnny Evans. They were sort of snuffing out the chances that were coming down the wing. And they actually made... Um, Evans' job quite easy because he didn't have all that to do. I also think Fafana and Soyuncu had a, a better now than Johnny Evans. They said had a better game. They were stronger. They were faster. And as I say, they snuffed out those chances on the flank, which meant that Johnny Evans was very protected. And on the one or two occasions where he had to be the last man, he didn't look as assured as the other two, but he didn't need to be because they were protecting him. I don't know if you picked up on that or if that run made any sense no I agree there and I think that Leicester's tactics was very good for this game playing a back five is always interesting because there's a lot of routes you can take but I feel like a back five is brilliant for how Leicester play with on the counter-attack because what I saw a couple of times was either Sarantu or Fafana would go in a bit, a bit of a mad one go into midfield they'd play more as a centre mid and that then the defenders can drop into a back four Sometimes the wing wing backs would push really high, and then you got a back three. They have a lot of options because I feel Mark uh, Old Brighton was quite good in that game. He was quite a threat on the counter attack, and especially in the end of the game, he was running a bit on the on the wing there. He winning free kicks, winning second balls. He was quite good, and I feel like having a back back five allows him to be a free man because as a wing back, you you can go. You're attacking, you're defending, you're a bit all over the place and it makes you harder to mark because do the wingers go higher or do they go deeper? Yeah, I think he had a very underrated game. He might not get talked in the analysis, but we're talking about him here and I love to see the number 11 shirt playing as a wing back. But you're right, he had a lot of space at times really. Um, although Alex Tellers, he kind of had a decent game, but as I say, a lot of space to run up and he also did some great defensive work. And we've touched on sort of the defensive aspect, the midfield aspect, Another thing Leicester did quite well was their front three pressured quite intelligently. I can I identified that. I didn't identify... The only thing I identified about my United's front three was that they were very quiet and they didn't press. But as I say, and intelligent they pressure. They didn't always pressure up front when the back three was sort of knocking it about. 
but they were there in midfield. And crucially, they were there, the front three or the front two were there when it mattered most uh, to snuff that goal out when Fred took the heavy touch. And sort of just a good football mind, you could say, that Brendan Rodgers presumably has drilled into them. But also they're a top club, but they're very intelligent on the press. I agree. And I, the other thing is about Leicester is that they were so clinical in the game. They didn't have many chances. If you notice, if you watch the game back, they, you don't, they don't seem to have that many chances of, chances of scoring. But every chance they had, they took it. Obviously, there was that one miss with Vardy at the post, which could have made it 4-1. But the, two, the header was brilliant. That chance from Ineatro was taken. And even that shot from Tielemans, that's not always a guaranteed goal and brilliant finish to the bottom corner. Yeah, it was a really lovely goal. And Ianacho, as you say, a really smart header. I think it's worth touching that what I felt was that Ianacho is a that game was a brilliant partner for Vardy. What they had, and this is another aspect I identified in the attack, was that Vardy was playing sort of higher up the pitch and Ianacho dropped a bit deeper. And what Ianacho was brilliant at was when he played deeper, he fed runs and he fed balls through to Vardy. There was obviously for the chance that Vardy missed. That's uncharacteristic mm-hmm. of Vardy, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get back into the goals. And hopefully Ian Atcher can keep up this form to feed him. But as I say, when he played deep and fed those runs, he was a brilliant provider and also grabbed the goals when it mattered. And then when he went up top, they bought um, Chowdhury on and they played like a five in midfield and he was a lone striker. I didn't feel he did as well when he was up there by himself, mm-hmm. playing more attacking. I feel like he works better as more, as you say, as a deeper role and as as more a, a false nine, maybe even playing behind the striker, letting him do the work. And then he just seems to be in such great positions in the actual. He's always there. He's, he's quite a good-minded striker. He always gets into the right positions. Yeah, and he's on a brilliant run of form. And I'd like to see him keep it up. I think it's worth mentioning that Perez had a pretty... He had an all right game. I noticed that um, he got into some brilliant positions. He had two chances where, uh, or he had a chance, half chance, he blazed it over the crossbar. He had another good chance to feed Vardy. And I felt that, as I say, his positions were really great, but it's just that final ball that he was lacking. I know that you're a fan, um, sort of a fan of his work, but do you think that final ball could be what really takes him to the next level? Yeah, I thought he was very good at Newcastle, I remember. And I think he had a good start to life at Leicester. But I'm also thinking another reason is he might not have much confidence because obviously he's kind of lost his place in the team with Madison, Harvey Barnes playing brilliantly. And I feel like he needs to gain confidence and that might improve his final football. Yeah, that's true. But he definitely showed promise. And to conclude this debate on Leicester, what I would say is another thing they did differently to United is when they conceded the goal, and it's fair to say that that's another goal that probably could have been stopped. But they responded really well to it. They got right on the front foot. They were pressuring United and they were pushing for a goal and they got it. And they did that and United just didn't. Did you notice that, that they responded really well to the goal too? Yeah. Leicester seemed always to be switched on. And that second goal, I don't, like they conceded it so early, I don't feel like United were switched on. They weren't ready for it. And Leicester took them to the game after half-time. It was 1-1. They had a very good chance of winning it and they just opened the gates and straight in there and they scored a goal after six minutes. Yeah, I think it's to conclude, as I say, it's fair that they they took the game by the scruff of the neck. 
They won it in midfield. Their strikers were intelligent and the defence was brilliant. And that's was different to United and that's where they won the game. I agree. So not only was there FA Cup action going on at the weekend, there were also some absolutely brilliant Premier League ties, one in particular. And if you're not aware, we both make predictions on the Premier League every single game week. And if you want to see them, they're available to look at on our Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast. Um, so check that out on the, over on the Instagram. Let us know what your predictions are when we post them. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And you never know, over this international break, you might even get some international predictions. But um, we both, as you know, as I just said, predicted the Premier League scores. West Ham Arsenal, um, it was a brilliant game. I predicted a 2-1 win for West Ham. Casual City fan, a 1-1 draw. You got the result right. You didn't get the score right. It was 3-3 and wow, it was a really brilliant game. I didn't expect it at all, to be honest. It was, it was a game of two halves. Well... It was a game of two halves. Obviously, you had West Ham at the start. They could have been five and up at half time. They were brilliant free flowing football. Arsenal were awful, and then and then Arsenal came back into it. I think Arsenal did get a bit lucky. Obviously, there were two own goals, which they were good play from Arsenal, but yeah. own goal is an own goal, which has a slight piece of luck. And I also feel like West Ham should could have and should have put the game to bed at. For at three two, where Antonio missed the chance and hit the post from about a centimeter out. I so <laughs> yeah. Oh, I felt yeah. I think that both teams had more chances to score goals. The Antonio chance, as you say, it was a really big chance. It was well worked. I think it was down the right hand side. And it was a brilliant cross, but I don't think there's much more that he could have done there. You know, it, it, he put it on the post. He was sliding in. He got a touch to it, and it and it was honestly just unlucky um but and Lacazette I think had another chance where he put it over Fabianski and uh, someone yeah. cleared it off the line so there honestly could have been more goals but I think you're right to recognize that there were some elements of luck in it from Arsenal especially the Dawson own goal um again it was down the flanks I feel like a lot of the chances of that game came down the flanks it was a nice cross in and Dawson was just running back and just absolutely smashed it into his own goal. Whereas the other one, I think it was the two second goal, was a bit more ambiguous. It may have yeah. wiggled in. Um, I feel like one one really good player there, which is a positive for Arsenal, was Chambers. Chambers played, he's normally a, a centre-back, I think, but he played a lot more as a, as a, as a full-back. And... He had brilliant, brilliant aspect of the game. He was brilliant down the wing. He was putting a bunch of crosses in. I'm pretty sure he, he got two assists in that game. I feel he was very good. He was a bit of a, bit of a part of the revival for Arsenal. Yeah, and he's been um, he's been a brilliant young player in the past, and he's been out on loans and has got some good accolades there. And he's just come back from an injury, so I think that the Arsenal fans are really encouraged to see him playing well and I think what we need to talk about is that first half from West Ham because we've sort of gone over onto other stuff but man it was a brilliant first first half from um, West Ham there was lots of desire Lingard had a lovely opening goal from the edge of the box he found space and he rifled it in there were other Mm. um, 
was a nice intelligent free kick where they took a really quick free kick. Arsenal was sleeping. They were moaning to the referee and yeah. West Ham put the ball on the back of the net. And how did Arsenal manage to turn that around? I feel... I'm not sure, to be honest. Arsenal, obviously, own goals help. But I think they got that first goal, obviously. That was brilliant to get that before half-time. I feel like if they'd gone into half-time at 3-0 down, that's game over. But to get one goal back, Lacazette was very good. He was getting into good positions. He turned up for once, which I don't feel like he turns up often. But he was very good in, in that striker position much better than Aubameyang has been in recent weeks. And I feel like he was a part of playing of Arsenal's revival as well. But I feel like it was very good for Arsenal's mentality to get one back before the break, because that makes them think, we only need two, we can we can get this back, we have another 45 minutes. Yeah, that that's fair to say. And I think that they always say, don't they, that, that five minutes before half-time, t- half it can be... The case that if you get a goal there, that can totally, totally change the game. But it was a really, you know, both teams were attacking really well and maybe weren't defending as well. Antonio got another goal. I think from West Ham, they had clear tactics in the game. They didn't really, certainly from the goals and the own goals, um, they didn't defend the wide areas. We were talking about Leicester earlier, played the wide centre-backs. They had lots of players in the middle um, to sort of get crosses out of the box from the box. But that just didn't quite work in that they didn't manage to clear all of those crosses and they didn't manage to get a head on it or a foot on it. So they were clear tactics, but it didn't quite work out. Did you pick up on anything like that? I did see that. They were, weren't very good. Arsenal finding pockets of space in the, in the penalty area. And that that really, that went to many of the goals. I think all three. Uh, One question I'd like to ask you to finish this debate is, is this game a positive or a negative for West Ham? Because obviously, brilliant first half, not so good second half. And is this a positive for the fans or a negative for the fans for their top four hopes? I think that I'd split it. I'd say for the fans, it's negative. It, It is points dropped. They've... They were 3-0 up and they've dropped those points. For the fans, they'll view it as negative points dropped despite the um, despite the brilliant performance in the first half. But I think that for the club and for the team, the squad, David Moyes, him, I'm sure he'll be disappointed. You know, he is a he's a winning manager. He does great things with medium-sized clubs. And I think for them, they will see the positives more. They'll see that they performed well. And if they can keep on doing that they can push on and they can try and get into Europe. And I and I stand by what I said in one of the earlier episodes, and we've got a few episodes now, so check them out, that they can get European football this year, that I think they will qualify for the Europa League. Um, I don't think top four, I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. I think there are more teams that will do it. But I think that for the team, it'll be a positive, brilliant performance. For the fans, they'll view it as a negative. It'll be a points dropped. And for once, I think I agree with you there. <laughs> I think that West Ham could could actually make Europe. Because the way they tore up Arsenal in that first half, honestly, brilliant. Brilliant football. We'll see. We'll see. So that was another episode of the Casual Footy Fans podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. 
We both really enjoyed making it and we've got plenty more on the way. So make sure you stay tuned. Check us out on Spotify or on other platforms, the Casual Footy Fans Podcast. And follow us on Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. We've got content on there. We've got predictions. Get in touch. What do you think of our predictions? Do you think we're right? What do you think? What do you think of this format where we talk about one game? Do you like that? Let us know. Stay in touch. We've got more on the way. Follow us on Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. 